Well, good morning. It is so good to see you. Thank you for being here. This is actually quite a shock. If you're watching online, this is a huge snow day here in Plymouth, and we have a great crowd given the snow. You guys are crazy people. Thank you so much for making the drive. Now I know who drives four-wheel vehicle, four-wheel drive vehicles. That's that's who's here. And what's really good news is we, we have one church in four locations, and so we have three other regional campuses gathered with us, and so those of you who made the drive were excited about that, but a bunch of people couldn't, and we would rather people be safe and worship with us than take risks and not be able to worship with us, and so we live stream this service, and some of you, and we're a little bit jealous, some of you are in your PJs, watching the service right now, drinking your coffee, and uh, we're glad you're safe, and we're glad you've joined with us. So thanks. We're in a series called Love, dot, 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 love. And I have to tell you, it was inspired by me just taking a, a new look at the Christmas story, because what happens is something that's so common as the Christmas story, you start getting locked into the complexity of all of your experiences and all the things you've heard and all the things you've taught, and you start forgetting maybe the core, the essence, the soul of what it's about. And I, I tried to just take a, a new eye, fresh look again at the Christmas story, and, and here's what I remembered. Christmas is a love story. That's what it's about. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And so with all the different things that go with it and all the nuances of Christmas, the truth of it and the way we've celebrated it, it's just a love story. And so in taking a closer look at, at God's love for us, at Jesus in this wonderful love story, I believe we can once again learn or relearn what love really is and more importantly, how we can love. And there's really nothing more relevant to us because all of life, every part of the human experience unfolds through relationships. In fact, God told us very, very clearly that all of life can be defined in, in two love relationships, a vertical love relationship between us and God where we experience his love and we love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then as a result of that, our love for one another, experiencing love from each other and, and giving love to the other. And in so doing, we experience life as God designed it. The problem is that love connection, so to speak, has been broken and messed up. Our love with God, experiencing that relationship has been broken by our own sin and failed choices. And so we've lived disconnected from the, the love we most profoundly need, his love for us. And so we're unable to love him properly. And then with that being broken, we can't love each other the way we're supposed to love and experience love the way we're supposed to experience it. And so love has become this distorted thing. We need it so desperately, and we're not getting it from the right sources in the right way, so what have we done? We've, we've decided that, well, we have to love ourselves. And, and so we've become extremely selfish, trying to get all that we need. And, and so this selfishness has created darkness and despair and failed choices and betrayal and all the negative things we experience in this world. And, and that takes us back to the Christmas story, which is once again the telling of the story about what love is really supposed to be and how we can really love and how God made it possible 
for us to experience love in the right way again. It's a love story. And so I thought I should at least read a portion of it to you in Luke chapter 2, which is the great love story chapter of Christmas. And I'll just read a couple of verses to get into the story. But the angel said to them, verse 10, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And I tell you, I think we have a bit of a, an oxymoron, a bit of a paradox in that passage because it says, the Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. He is God's Son. He is the creator of the world. And here will be the sign that the creator of the world has been born. You're going to find this baby lying in cloths in a manger. That's, that's bizarre. It's crazy. And the really... The really important thing to understand when you're getting into the heart of this text is to remember the true identity of the one lying in the manger. You, you, you have to get it because you'll miss it if you don't. You have to intentionally make yourself see it. The one lying in the manger in, wrapped in cloths and in this animal trough in this, this barn is the creator of the world, the God himself. And then you think about him lying in the manger as a baby. Why did he come like that? He could have come as a, as a judge to declare us all guilty and to pass final judgment on us. He could have come as a, as a conquering warrior to, to overcome and eliminate all of his enemies. In fact, this is what Israel was looking for and what Israel was wanting, which is why they rejected him as Messiah. He didn't come as this conquering warrior, and they didn't want a suffering servant, and he, he could have come as an angry king to reestablish fear among his subjects, but, but he came as a gentle little baby in a manger. Why? Because when he came into the world on this very first Christmas, he came in love. And this profound expression of love reveals an important but, I think, often forgotten truth about love. True love is gentle. True love is gentle. That almost sounds like a really weak truth to base an entire talk on. I mean, how are we going to spend a whole weekend talking about true love is gentle on to something else, right? And yet, because we have such a limited view or maybe a lack of appreciation of this truth, we we really don't experience love the way it was meant to be because remember, Jesus came to show us love as it is and love as it's supposed to be and, and he came as this little baby in a manger. He came with this gentle love and if we don't develop an appreciation for it, we're going to miss how to love like we've done all along the way. True love is gentle. And I want you to see that this is a biblical truth that is said over and over and over again. It's not just demonstrated in the reality of Jesus' story of coming, but it's, it's commanded as a part of what our life should be. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he's giving us the, the characteristics of love and what love's supposed to be. And he says, love is patient and love is kind. He starts talking about the, the gentle, the self-controlled gentle context of love. Love is patient, it's self-controlled, love is kind. And then in 1 Thessalonians 2, 
Verses seven through eight, the apostle Paul really spits it out, this truth. We were gentle among you. Gentle like a mother caring for her little children. And in other words, here's the picture. True love, so demonstrated, so beautifully demonstrated by a mother caring for her child. What, what is true love? It's, it's gentle. And he's saying, that's how we loved you because this is how Jesus has loved us. This is, this is how love's supposed to work. And he says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the good news of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us, true love is gentle. I, I think for us to really get the, the impact and the benefit from this truth, we have, to, we have to correct our misunderstandings of this word gentle. We, we really misunderstand this word and it makes us not appreciate this word. In fact, we're, we're, we're almost taught that, that gentle is a bad thing. In fact, we've got messed up views of genders in this world and, and you know, what females are supposed to be like and what males are supposed to be like. And, and one of the things that we've atrociously taught many males is that, that you know, you're not supposed to cry if you're a boy or you're not supposed to do this. And, and gentleness is, is for the nurturing mother. It's not for fathers. But the truth is that, that gentleness is love and all of us are supposed to love, which means all of us are supposed to be gentle, but we so misunderstand it that we miss it and, and we miss the benefits of love. We have to correct it. So we have to have a proper understanding of gentleness if we're going to understand the impact of this truth. And here's the first thing we have to understand. Talk about correction. We have to understand that gentleness, love, is not about being weak. Gentleness is not weak. Being kind and gentle is, is not weak, it's strong. Jesus is the proof of this because there was no one who loved more profoundly and more gently than Jesus, and yet he was anything but weak. He was a man's man. He was strong. He was tough. All you have to do is turn to John chapter 2 on your own and, and read about him going into the temple, this place that was set aside where, where people could once again connect to God and lift God up and, and find the reality of God in their lives. And what human beings had done is they had, they had messed it up so much that they had turned it into a personal profit center, so much so that they were in, without integrity and with dishonesty trying to make a buck in the temple by deceiving people and cheating people. And he came in and he said, this is the place where they're supposed to find God and goodness and values and morality. And you've turned it upside down and brought the darkness of the world in here. And I'm telling you, we won't have it. And what he did was he turned over the tables of, of these, these deceptive business people who were consuming God's temple, and, and he made a, a whip out of some rope, and he drove everybody out of the place, and he says, this is supposed to be a place for God, a place of prayer, and, and you go, whoa, he lost it, but he didn't lose it. This is, this is an act of love, which was extremely tough, but it was gentle as well, but gentle isn't weak like we've made it. And you say, well, how was, it, how was it gentle? Well, look, at to be gentle is to have strength but under control. And how is this to have strength under control, to turn tables over and to force people out? Because I'll, I'll tell you, remember who this baby was. Remember who this man turning over the tables is. 
He's the creator of this world. With a word, he spoke the universe into existence. When he got upset, if he lost control, he would have wiped everybody out. If he had lost control, if he didn't love and care, if he wasn't trying to create some positive benefit and help people to be lifted up instead of torn down, he would have created hurricane force winds to take them out, a tsunami to come in. He would have, if he was like me, put lightning in his fingertips and watched it go through the... Maybe I better not go further, but you get the idea. This was not him losing control. This was him keeping control because he loved them and he wanted them to understand that their choices were destroying their lives. This was love that was gentle, but to be gentle is not to be weak. Gentle love expresses itself through toughness, but it's never done in an uncontrolled or harsh way. It's never done in a selfish way. It's always done for the benefit of lifting others up. It's always meant to help people get to the right place. In fact, let me say this, and maybe this will stick with you. It takes a tender heart to love toughly. And I actually believe a lot of us don't express tough love because we're selfish. We want people to like us. We want our kids to... Like us, we, we don't want to create uncomfortable circumstances, and so we don't express tough love because it's harder and less convenient to express tough love than it is to just acquiesce and give in. But Jesus truly loved, and his love was for the benefit of others, and though gentle, it was tough because he had a tender heart. Gentleness, if we're going to understand it even further, is is not about being an easy target. Gentleness, genuine love, is not about being an easy target. It's not about being easy to take advantage of. And we so misunderstand gentleness. When we think of gentleness, we think of these people who are, who are weak and unable, unable to stand up for themselves, unable to, to, to overcome other people's teasing and stuff. We see the little kid on the playground who, who's just really weak and... Bullies are taking them down and taking advantage of them, taking their lunch money, and, and that's what we see as gentle, and we don't want to be that, but that's not gentle at all. That's weak. And those who truly love and are gentle have strength that's under control. They're not easy to take advantage of. Jesus is a great example of this. You know, Jesus' enemies were always trying to take advantage of him. They were trying to paint a bullseye on his back, and, and they were trying to, to take him down and... And time and time again, though he was gentle, it never worked. He always turned the tables on them. You see, see, strength under control wins in the end. And he won. They'd come to him all the time. Matthew 21 is a good example of this. They came and they were trying to trip him up. And so they asked him a question about John the, the Baptist, about you know, where he gets his authority from and all this different stuff. And he was asking, so he turned the question to them on John the Baptist. And he knew he was asking them a question that where if they answered it the way they believed, it would mess them up. And so they got together and they said, if we do it this way, that'll be bad. If we do it this way, that'll be bad. So let's just tell them we don't know. And so then Jesus didn't have to answer their question, and he, he turned it around, and they kept proving that they were weak and he was strong. Being gentle doesn't mean that you're a, you're a spineless person. Being gentle doesn't mean that you're a doormat for other people. Being 
Gentle doesn't mean that you're willing to let others take advantage of you. That's not what it means at all. And this is why Jesus gave us this counsel in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. He said, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, remember, sheep, like gentle little creatures, right? I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. What are wolves? Ferocious, violent animals. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. But then look what he says. It's really odd. He says, so be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. He, he didn't say, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so here's what you have to do. You have to roll over and play dead. You have to let them stomp all over you and then get up and let them stomp all over you again. You have to, you have to let people take advantage of you because, because that's what it means to be gentle and a sheep. No, no. He says, I'm sending you out to truly love the world in a way the world doesn't understand love. And that means you're going to be like a sheep, gentle, not like a wolf. You're going to be like a sheep, someone who's kind and generous, not like a wolf taking advantage and violent and harsh. But you're not a doormat for anyone. Be shrewd as a snake. Be wise. But be gentle as a dove. And this is how he lived, and this is how we're supposed to live. And I, I actually believe parents these days can learn a lot from this. In fact, if I could just mention, last weekend we had Harvey Carey here, and Harvey did a good job, didn't he? And, and he, talked a, he talked a bit about this. He actually says, parents, oh my gosh, you, your kids are terrible, and you still give them the best gifts. And he says, yeah, they're horrible, and you give them the Xbox. He said, if my kids are horrible, I'll give them the Xbox. I'll buy a box and write an X on it. That's, and I... He's, he's right. Why would we reward bad behavior? We, oh, we got to love our kids. We got to love them. It's good. We got to love them. We got to know. If we're going to love them, we can't let them take advantage of us. We can't let them own us. We've got to be strong. Our tender heart needs to be tough so that we care more about their long-term life than this moment. And that's where Jesus is. He's saying, look at love gently. You're like sheep among wolves, but know this. Strength under the control is wise in its gentleness. Gentleness, we have to understand, true love is about being generous and being kind and being patient. In fact, I could keep going on with descriptions of it in the positive, but you know what it's basically saying? Gentle love, true love is unselfish. It's unselfish. It's, it's lived out intentionally for others. And by the way, am I going to ever allow the strength that I have to be uncontrolled and to hurt other people if I'm unselfish? No, I'm going to keep it under control, use my strength for their benefit, not for mine. Do you see it? And that means the opposite is true. Gentleness is the opposite of being violent and being harsh and being rough. And all the descriptions of the wrong side is selfishness. And if you think about it, the way we see gentleness is through the eyes of selfish, unselfish as we've been taught in this world instead of the eyes of unselfish and selfish as Jesus has taught us because very often I'm selfish and I don't want to be uncomfortable and so I'm not going to hold someone to account and express tough love. I, I don't want the inconvenience of having to hold someone accountable and dealing with that because when you're a parent and you ground a child, you're also grounding yourself, aren't you? And that's just inconvenient, and, and so I, I'm thinking of me, and this is distorted love. It's not love that's gentle. Love that's gentle is unselfish. Jesus turning over those tables was doing it for them. 
while not wiping them out with the strength and power he had. And Jesus is the perfect example because in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, I am gentle and, and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying, I'm humble and gentle. That's how love pictures itself, but I am not weak and I am not easily taken advantage of. 2 Corinthians 10.1 says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. It's, he's saying, by true love, the love that God has, I'm appealing to you. The love that we all desire, I'm appealing to you. And that love comes in humility and gentleness. This is the example of Jesus. And, and I'm just going to be straight up honest. I mean, gentleness is not anywhere even close to my nature or my temperament naturally. I mean, I'm like, I'm extremely intense. And I, it's like I can, and I, I'm not dumb. So, I mean, I know that, you know, you start softly, but but I know how to escalate and power up to get what I want. I, I have the personality where if, if I power up, I can suck the oxygen out of the room pretty clearly and see everybody dying for a breath. I mean, it's like, that's me naturally. And so it's not easy to teach on this subject because it's not my nature. But just because it's not my nature doesn't mean it's not the truth. And we need to deal with this because the truth is most of us don't by nature love with true gentleness, strength under control. And so I have, to, I have to look at Jesus' story, this great love story he wrote for us, and I have, to, I have to learn from it so that I can seek to start weaving it into the fabric of, of my daily life. And, and so that's what I've done. I've kind of walked through his story, and I, I, I try to look for places where he expressed love with, with people that normally we wouldn't express love with. And the first was with children. And you say, well, that's not right. I mean, people express love with children all the time, naturally. Well, you have to understand, in the day of Jesus, children were not considered valuable until they reached a certain age. They were considered almost an inconvenience. They were like, you know, stay out of sight, stay out of the background. We're going to do valuable stuff. We're, we're going to do adult stuff. And when you become an adult, then you'll matter to us, that kind of a thing. It was a very different world. And uh, here, here's what we need to understand, that Jesus was one time you know, doing ministry, adult stuff, and his disciples were all around him, and kids came and, and you know, were around him, and, and the disciples tried to shoo him away. You know, get out of here. The Bible says they were rebuking these children. Get away. We're doing important stuff. You're not important. Get away. We're doing important stuff, you know, and, and Jesus said, don't rebuke the children. Let them come to me. I mean, they're the valuable ones. In fact, he says, you want to know who's going to really be a part of the kingdom? People with the value of children, the innocence of children, that's who's really valuable. And then he ends, it's Mark chapter 10 and verse 16, he says, he says, it says he took the children in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. Loving gentleness with, with children, valuing the right things in this world instead of the wrong things. And don't we value power and prosperity and popularity and all these other things more than we value what we really should value and that's what he was saying true love is gentle with those that the world doesn't value even children I, I have a beautiful sense of this from our glory of Christmas where we have a scene in the glory of Christmas where Jesus heals a dead girl and then she runs to her parents and then she turns around and sees him, and, and she runs back to him, and he grabs her, and they spin around, and, and then he kneels down, and she sits on his lap, and all the kids in the program come and gather around, and 
he puts his arms around him, he's looking at him. And it's an emotional scene for me every time I see it because you see, it's so easy for us to be about the important things and forget the unimportant. And Jesus' gentle love, never let him forget the children. Not a big deal. Can't we even as parents forget about the children because we're busy doing our job and earning a living? Jesus, when I look at him, expressed loving gentleness, not just with children, those who were kind of dismissed in that day, but he also expressed gentle love with hurting people. I mean, hurting people. And if there's anyone who needs gentle love, it's hurting people, right? Hurting people, broken, flawed, feeling disenfranchised, discarded people. Well, Jesus did that all the time. In a world that dismisses hurting people, he loved them gently. There's this verse, Matthew chapter 12, verse 20, and I'm going to actually show you on a picture that shows what it's about. A bruised reed, he will not break, it says. A bruised reed, he will not break. What's a reed? Well, a reed is a water-based plant like you're seeing there right now, kind of a broad leaf. There are different kinds, but a broad-leafed green water-based plant. They're called reeds. And they're in abundance. I mean, look at You can see, I mean, they're everywhere. Abundance. I mean, who cares? One little broad leaf reed, there are plenty more. And that's exactly how people treated reeds back then. They, they were used for all kinds of things. You could make their writing paper called papyrus out of it. And, but one of the neat uses of reeds, because it was so available, so readily, it was cheap. Shepherds that were out in the field watching their sheep, I mean, they had a lot of time to pass, and there was a lot of anxiety out there. And and so shepherds would be known to, to take those reeds and to make a musical flute-like instrument out of it and play music to pass the time for themselves, but also to calm their sheep. But a reed's pretty delicate, and it would soon become softened or broken, and it wouldn't work well. So what would they do? They'd, it's a reed. They picked it, after all. They'd crunch it up, throw it away, and they'd make another one. There's more where that came from. Who cares about the one that's broken and and then the Bible comes along and says, a bruised reed he won't discard. Are you kidding me? A bruised reed's worthless. A bruised reed, there's plenty more where that came from. A bruised reed, why won't he discard? Because you see, he was using that as an explanation for hurting people. The bruised reed represents those who are hurt, those who are broken, those who are worn out, those whom the world looks at as no longer usable. They're, these people are typically ignored, right? They're discarded, just like the shepherd would discard the, the reed that was no longer used. They're easily replaced. There's more people where they came from. If, if we can no longer use them for our benefit, then we don't need them in our world anymore because they can no longer make music. They're no longer necessary. And unfortunately, the nature of man, apart from God, is to destroy. I mean, we human beings, don't we tend to devour and undercut each other? Don't we tend to do this in every area of life? Doesn't that happen in business? Oh, you're no longer usable to me. See ya, you're worthless. In society, in politics, and even in the family. But on the contrary, Jesus, by nature, is a restorer. He doesn't see the bruised reed as unnecessary, but as necessary because he truly loves. So he, he won't just break off or disregard us. Even the least and the most broken, he wants to come and in the gentle hands of the loving Savior, the bruised reed's not broken, but redeemed. And you know what I get from that? Wow, true love is gentle. That kind of love would change the world. 
That's the story of Christmas. When I look at Jesus, I realize loving gentleness is even seen with Jesus with those who are hurting him. And this is really interesting. I think so far most of you have gone, you know, yeah, gentle love with kids, that makes sense. I mean, that fits my world. Yeah, gentle love with hurting people, yeah, that fits my worldview. I'm, I'm in. But Jesus showed gentle love with those who were hurting him, and that's where it crosses the line for me. I mean, I'm sorry, that's like, you hurt me or those whom I love, and it's like, you watch out. But think about the picture of Jesus with his executioners. You know, they pummeled him. They, they beat the life out of him. And then they nailed him to a cross, and they threw that cross into a hole in the ground so every joint in his body was ripped apart. And they let him hang there and suffocate to death. And just before dying, he looked at them and he says, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the kind of love that we offer. Forgive them. And what did they do in response? They kept gambling over his clothes. He loved even those who hurt him gently. I'm just curious, is that how you respond to people who hurt you? You see, this is where I start getting challenged. What so many people don't understand is that rather than being weak, being gentle has great power. And I, I just need to warn you, the reason we're so disconnected from God and so often so disconnected from each other, the reason we're not experiencing life and life to the full so often is because we have fallen to the deception of the evil one. And what he always does is he flips God's values upside down and makes God's values look like no value at all. And that's what he's done with gentleness. He's made it look like gentleness is undesirable, like gentleness is something that's bad and negative and hurt us and never get us to where we want to be so that we don't practice it. And, and so we look at gentleness as being weak. But gentleness is power. And all you have to do is look at the life of Jesus. That's true. But, but you can look even beyond the life of Jesus to the, to the words of Scripture. And Scripture time and time again says, gentleness is power. And this gets me because my nature is to power up to get my way when the truth is powering up is weakness, but, but loving with gentleness is strength. And look at the power of gentleness. The Bible says that gentleness has the power to soften hard-hearted, calloused people. Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up wrath, anger. Another word for wrath. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is so profound to me because I feel like when I power up, get intense, start getting more harsh, start sucking the oxygen out of the room to get my way, I feel like now I'm powerful. Now you're going to do what I want. But the truth is, people start pulling away from me, pushing away, hardening up. I, I'm going to get less of my way than more. Whereas... A gentle answer, seemingly weak, has the power to change the whole circumstance. And by the way, I shouldn't need Proverbs 15.1 to tell me this. I've been married for 37 years. And I, in, in arguments, it's like, I'm, I'm not stupid. I mean, I, I'm not brilliant, but I'm not stupid. And so when I'm wanting, when Roxanne and I approach something we have disagreement about, you know, there's some healthy conflict there, and, and there's always going to be conflict, and it can be healthy. But, 
But I usually go unhealthy with it when, I, when she's not giving in to my way. And remember, if I want my way, am I being selfish or unselfish? Selfish, okay. And that's how we mostly approach our conflicts as human beings. And we'll, we'll start talking. So I'll start, hey, honey, I really, think that, I really think that we should do this. And she goes, not gonna happen. And so I'll go, no, no, really, I, I, I really think, sweetie, sweetie, we, we, we should do this. Not gonna happen. And, and then, you know, I start elevating a little bit, and I go, you know, I, I think, honey, that if you think, and I know that's not what you normally do, but if you think, <laughs> you'll agree that this is what we should do. And she goes, not gonna happen. And then I start powering up and saying, you know, all kinds of things. And then she says all kinds of things. And she wins. And we stay married. And, uh, and we go forward. But here's the thing. I power up thinking I'm going to get my way. And I'm going to change it in the right direction. But the truth is I lose ground every time I power up. But you know, when I really care about her and care about us, instead of pressing for my way, I, my strength's under control. And we start talking about these things. And I'm not attacking her. And I'm not demeaning her. And I'm not cutting her down. And I'm not doing these things. Instead, we're really communicating. You know what will happen? Both of our hearts will soften. They'll attach and become what they're supposed to be. And we together will make a decision that will move us forward. Which is the power and which is the weakness? And we have to learn to love. And true love is gentle. Do you realize Jesus broke down... The hardness of a Roman soldier's heart when he was on the cross. And, you know, there was no one trained to be more heartless than a Roman soldier. They were violent, they were harsh, and they were trained to have no conscience about it. And yet, when Jesus died on that cross, there was a Roman soldier, one of these hard-hearted, calloused, heartless people, who said, he must have been the Son of God. What broke down the hardness of his heart? It was the softness of Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He didn't respond in kind. You see, gentleness is powerful. It softens people. Gentleness is powerful because it attracts people. It really does. It, it, it draws people in. Jesus had a multitude of people following him, whereas the Pharisees didn't have anyone wanting to follow them. In fact, the Pharisees were jealous of the of Jesus because people wanted to follow Jesus. Well, of course, because the Pharisees were harsh and violent. They didn't care about people. They cared about themselves, whereas Jesus cared about people, and he did it in strength. And this is why Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. It attracts people. It does me, by the way. I don't like to be around angry, judgmental, harsh people. I don't like that. People always wanting their way, and if they don't get their way, they get more and more unattractive. But those people who you know have power and strength, and yet they're still kind and patient and gentle, aren't you drawn to that kind of person? Don't you want to be like them? I do. You see the power in it? Gentleness comforts people. Talk about power. Isn't, isn't everyone looking for comfort? course they are. You don't comfort people by throwing yourself strong. You comfort people like a mother who nurtures their child, you know, by gentleness. No wonder we all long for comfort so much we don't get it. And how sad that even in our homes, very often, we'll 
tell our kids, buck up, stop crying, don't act like, are you kidding me? We need to comfort them in gentleness, but not in weakness, but in strength. Like Paul said, we were gentle among you like a mother caring for a little child, First Thessalonians 2, 7. One of, my, one of my most important passages in the Bible, one of the most important passages for me when I'm really hurting is 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, you can cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Always caring. Isn't that awesome? Gentleness comforts people. There's power in that. You a parent? It's gentle love that comforts. Not weak love, but gentle love. You know, very often kids are all messed up because they don't know the boundaries. They don't know that your love will hold them to account and yet still love. And, and they need it. It comforts them. And then finally, I find that the power of gentleness is that it changes people. Gentleness changes people, even the most stubborn of people. Look at Proverbs 25, 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. What's that mean? It, something that's like, can't be broken, is impenetrable, can, can be broken and penetrated by gentleness. You, a, a, a stubborn heart that refuses to move, the harder you are with them, the more resolved they'll be, but gentleness can break through and break it. Uh, truly, I've learned this so much in marriage, mostly with Roxanne to me. I mean, because I can be this resolute and stubborn, intense person at times, and she has overtime, and by the way, she can be stubborn and, and as well, but she's She's truly loved better than I have along the way. And, and through gentle responses to me, she has broken me down and opened me up in ways I would have never experienced without that. And this is what love does and is. It changes people. But we go about it the wrong way. Look at Romans 2.4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that it's God's kindness, his gentle love that leads you to repent it's not judging and being harsh and telling people how wrong they are that draws them. It's love that draws them to want to change. I, the great story that comes to my mind in this regard as to the power of gentleness to transform someone is, is the story in John 8 of the woman who was caught in adultery. And if you don't know the story, read about it. But this woman was like caught in the act of adultery by the religious leaders of the day, and they grabbed her in that state of condition and threw her at Jesus' feet out in the public. Talk about harsh and violent and uncaring and selfish. That, that's the act of these religious leaders. And they threw her at Jesus' feet, not because they cared anything about her whatsoever, but because they wanted to trip him up. Remember, take advantage of him. He was supposed to be an easy mark. And, and Jesus said, I'll tell you what you should do is you should, you know, you should judge her. You should... Yeah, take her life. She's sinned. The wages of sin is death. Uh, but one requirement, you can't do it unless you've never sinned yourself. And every one of them walked away because they couldn't do it. They were all broken reeds. We're all broken reeds, right? And, and then she was left there all by herself, and Jesus reaches down in love and, and picks her up. And he doesn't say to her, because he loves her, he doesn't say what she wants to hear. He doesn't say... 
you know, this lifestyle's cool. I know they're against it, but this lifestyle's cool. You're, this is just a good choice for you. It's just a different choice from other people. It's all right for you to do this. Don't let society dictate to you what you do. I mean, it's all right. It's cool. Anything you want to do, it's all right. God made you this way. He must want you to be this way. And all those different things. He didn't say any of that. In love, he said, go and sin no more. He says, look, at this life of sin you've chosen is destroying your life, but I want you to know God still loves you, cares about you, is willing to touch you, is willing to reach down and help you. Go and sin no more. That transformed her life. Think, this is what I think about. I, I go way beyond this one moment, and I think about her life in the whole. Think about how many times she had been preached at by religious people in her culture. Think about how many times she had been condemned, and think about how many times she'd been judged. And none of it made a mark on her. She had been used up and discarded often, and as a result, she had become hard-hearted, self-loathing, and hopeless. But then, she experienced this gentle love from Jesus, and it changed her forever. And you think gentleness is weakness? Oh, no. It's powerful. And so I want to live this way and love this way, and I think you do too. So here's the application that I draw from it. If we're going to know the fulfillment of true love in our lives, then we have to pattern our lives after Jesus. In fact, let me say it in these words. If we're going to love well, then we need to learn to express love through gentleness. We just do. Paul actually said this. Paul, who was a really strong man who got broken down and became very gentle in his love, in Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2, he's in prison. And you need to know prisons back then were not... Prisons back then were not, um, well, they didn't have TV rooms, health centers, and prison advocates. They were dungeons, and they were abused in there. And, and yet, as a prisoner of the Lord, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And here's what Paul was saying. If I can do this as a prisoner, you can do it in whatever circumstances you're in. If Jesus can express love through gentleness on the cross, then surely you can do it in your circumstances as a spouse, as a parent, as an employer, as an employee, as a neighbor, as, as a person who disagrees with someone else politically in every other scenario of your life. We need to express love with gentleness. And so what I have done is I've tried to figure out how I can grow in this area. And I'm just going to share it with you so that maybe you can make application in your life and grow in this thing as well. I found that if I'm going to learn to express love through gentleness, then the first thing that has to happen is that I have to be set free of all the guilt and darkness that can abide in me. You know, you know I found, and I don't know if you found this in you, bet you have, when I'm filled with all kinds of junk inside, carrying all kinds of baggage, darkness, guilt, or shame, or whatever it is, when I know I've been doing wrong, and that's bubbling in me, I become more and more defensive, and more and more combative, and more and more intense on the outside. The harsher the realities I'm dealing with on the inside, the harsher I am on the outside. Does that happen to you? And the truth is all of us have guilt, and all of us have shame, and all of us have failed. All of us have been discarded. All of us have bitterness. All of us have anger. All of us have disappointment. All of us. And you know, this is why Jesus came. He came so that he could take the wages of our sin and failures and all the darkness that have come into our world because of sin in our world, and he died on the cross so it could all be put on him, was buried and rose again so that he could take the guilt out of us and he could 
free us. Do, do you know what happens? I have found that hurting people hurt people. But Jesus died on the cross so that he could heal our hurts and we'd no longer be hurting people hurting other people. Have you experienced that? That's where it begins. That's why he said, come to me when you're just burdened down and loaded with guilt and I'll give you rest. I'm humble and gentle. I find that not only do we need to be set free from guilt ourselves, but if we're going to learn to express love appropriately, then, then we must experience the gentleness of God. I, I don't know about you, but I have found that until I've experienced something, it's hard for me to live out that something with others. And Jesus even said it. He says, look at it. I want you to go and love others as I've loved you, but, but we only can love because we know his love. If we don't know his love, then we can't love appropriately. That's just the way it is. And this is why the great command says we have to start with experiencing and loving God before we can experience the right kind of love and love others correctly. And, and so we need to experience the gentleness of God so that we can then be gentle with others. And I think a beautiful illustration of this is found in Luke chapter 7, and Stick with me. I, I, I can't say definitely this is true, but I can say it might be that, you know, the woman that was thrown at Jesus' feet whom he loved and showed gentle love and said, go and sin no more. Her life was changed by his gentleness. Remember that woman? It could be the woman in Luke 7. I don't know, but it could be. She's described as a sinful woman, a woman who was known for a sinful lifestyle like the adulterous woman. And Jesus was in a Pharisee's home named Simon and, and this woman came in and took the most expensive thing she could own. It was worth like a year's worth of a salary in, of that day, and she broke this, this ointment over Jesus' feet. It was very expensive. And she was worshiping him. And Simon the Pharisee was looking at it in his heart. He wasn't saying it out loud, but in his heart he's kind of going, you know, if this guy was really spiritual and a rabbi, he'd never let a sinful woman like this touch him. And Jesus, knowing what he was thinking, by the way, that should scare the heck out of you. Um, but anyway, Jesus, knowing what he was thinking, said, hey, Simon, let me ask you a question. If there was someone who owed someone a lot of money, and then someone who owed someone just a little bit of money, and they were both forgiven, which one would be the most grateful? Well, the one who was forgiven a lot. He says, yeah, you know, that's what's going on here, because he says... You see, Simon, I came into your home and you've disrespected me every step of the way. You haven't treated me like a good host supposed to be. You've spurned me. You've really made it known that you don't care much about me. But this woman, she just gave her life in worship of me. And the reason is because though her sins were many, they've been forgiven. And that's why she loves me like this. And the reason you don't love me at all is because you've not yet experienced that kind of love yourself. And I believe... This describes religion. Many religious people are as harsh as anybody in the world and even more so because they know the story of God's love, but they don't know his love. If we're going to love properly, then we have to experience God's gentle love removing the guilt from our lives. Have you? Are you? Before I give you the last thought, which is a very important last principle, I... I want to give you a moment to pray. And so as we wind down the talk, I'm going to ask if you, believer and unbeliever, whoever you are, if you would just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment. Those of you watching online, if you just honor this moment and, 
and just pray with me. If you're a believer already, why don't you talk to God about what's going on in your life? Because if you're like me, this is challenging you. But if you don't know Jesus setting you free from your guilt, forgiving your sin, if you don't know the gentle touch of his love in your life, I'm gonna encourage you to take that step now. Pray with me. Just take my words in this prayer and make them your words to God in your heart quietly. Just say, Jesus, I, you know the guilt within. You know the baggage within. And I'm turning to you believing that when you died on the cross, it was to take the burden and guilt of my sin away. And then you rose again to give me new life. And so by faith, I'm turning to you away from sin, asking you to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, I just really wanna encourage you, let us know, would you? If you're in one of our services, um, we put a connection card in these programs that we hand you. It's just easy to take out. There are two little statements at the bottom. Check the one that's appropriate to you, and then there are boxes at every single exit, and put it in there. And what we've done is we've put together some material to help you know next steps that you can take in your journey with God. But we need to know that you prayed with me and want this, and so let us know. If you're watching online, hit the What Next button, and we'll do the same thing for you. Here's the last thought. If we're going to learn to express love that's gentle appropriately, then, then we have to be empowered by God's Spirit. We have to be empowered by God's spirit. And I, I'm gonna tell you, in my own power, I will never love correctly. I won't. I will try and use all of my strength to get what I want, and it won't work. But when I'm filled with God's spirit, I can love correctly because it's Jesus loving in and through me, and that's when my life is transformed. Look at Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is what the Spirit does in us. He produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we walk and live in the Spirit, Jesus in us is gentle. When we don't, we're not. I know when I'm walking in the Spirit when I'm not not so much because of some mystical thing, but because of my behavioral patterns. When I'm walking in the Spirit, I love well. And when I'm not, I don't. And the same is true with you. So in conclusion, our purpose as believers is to wake the world up to Jesus because we've been wakened to Jesus. And in order to wake the world to Jesus, we have to show them his love, right? But in order to show them his love, we have to experience his love, and then we have to love as he loved which means we have to express love through gentleness. And so remember, if we're, if we're going to love the way we're supposed to love, we need to be forgiven, know his love, and be filled with his spirit. And then when we do love the way we're supposed to love, we'll live the way God created us to live. And when we live the way God created us to live, we will be the light of the world and darkness will start to be diminished. And I think that's the story God wants for us. It's the story of Christmas to continue, and it's a love story. It's time for us to start writing it. So glad you're here. Thanks, everybody.